Well, welcome to Nun Talks, where I'm super excited about my guest today. But before I introduce her, I want to make sure that we acknowledge that this uh, podcast is re- being recorded on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy in southern Alberta. And so we are grateful uh, for that opportunity to be here. And today I'm uh, really grateful uh, for Miss Jen Scout. Uh, Jennifer Scout, who is the vice principal and an awesome teacher at Carson Junior High School. And uh, Miss Scout's in her 16th year of teaching. Um, and she has a, a master's degree in educational leadership and uh, curriculum development for First Nations curriculum in the school system. And so I'm really excited to have. Um, um, Miss Scout here, and I'm just going to call her Jen on the podcast unless she tells me different. Uh, we're good friends, I think. Um, she was at Carson Junior High when I was the, the principal there, and uh, we just had opportunity to have great discussions together. I have learned a ton from Miss Scout, and so I'm just going to let her do a short uh, introduction of herself, and I shouldn't say short, she can take as long as she wants. But And then we're going to just have a, a conversation today about um, as we approach uh, September 30th, we're going to talk a little bit about truth and reconciliation. Uh, we're going to talk about the important work going on in schools around that work and also around um, Orange Shirt Day and, and what that means in schools and some of the activities maybe that uh, her school has planned or, or other schools across Westwind School Division. Um, I know the, the board has declared that a, a non-instructional day. Um, to recognize that important work and but at the same time in schools we want to the, the I guess the days or weeks leading up to it and even following that we want to make sure that we're, we're doing that well so to kick our year off actually this will be our first podcast broadcast um, but we want to we want to share our insights on that and I'm grateful that Jen could uh, take time to be with us and so I'll turn it over to her to introduce herself and Tell us a little bit about her, and then we'll go on with a discussion and some questions together. Uh, okay, my name is Jennifer Scout. So I'm a member of the Kainai Nation. Um, as Austin mentioned, I've been teaching at the Carston Junior High for 16 years. Um, growing up myself, I'm a product of the Carston school system. I attended through elementary, junior high, and high school and graduated in 1999. Um, I uh, I'm then attended the University of Lethbridge for my undergrad degrees, uh, taught for about five years and went and back and did my master's. I've been in the role of uh, vice principal for, I think this is my fourth year. It feels a little longer with COVID and all the craziness that has gone on lately. Um, I have lots of nieces and nephews. I've got siblings. Uh, I'm connected. Most of my family resides in Lethbridge. Uh, Both of my parents are no longer with us, uh, but they were residential school survivors. Um, So to me, that's something that I take with me into my teaching. Um, In fact, one of the reasons I became a teacher was when I learned more about residential schools and just kind of seeing how um, that was absent from my education when I was growing up. And uh, to me, that's been one of the things that I've pushed, has pushed me to work hard in my job and to learn and to get better at what I do. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's talk for a minute because uh, I'm really intrigued, um, Jen, that 
you, you went through school system, whether it was Carston or anywhere else. You graduated from high school in Carston, and then you went right from there to university. What, what drove you to, to want to continue your education right after high school and, and jump into university, and, and, and where was your, your family piece involved in, in that? So um, in my family, post-secondary education was always very important. Um, I have siblings that are quite a bit older than me, like 13 years older. Uh, my brother at one point was in law school. So um, my dad was a single dad who raised me and my younger sister, or my sister, but the y younger two of us. Um, so education, it was never a question that you were going to go to university um, and you needed to do good in school, even though... We weren't like doing homework or anything. It was just an expectation that we had within our home. Um, and it was very important for all of us to attain that post-secondary education, which me and my siblings were able to do in different ways. Um, let's talk for just a minute. Jen, you mentioned your dad or your parents, uh, survivors of uh, residential schools. Um, how, how was that as a, a child? And did they share experiences with you? Uh, what kind of things did you did you take away from that? So uh, my dad really came from the generation where it wasn't talked about. Mm -hmm. um, he attended residential school from the time he was three years old until he was 16. Um, so from a very young age. And it was never talked about in our home besides saying, oh, these times when we were in boarding school. Uh, any more than that, they, we didn't really hear too many details about it. Um, you could tell from the way that my dad treated education and certain things that it did have an effect on him. Um, also in other negative ways as well. You could sell, see that trauma when I think of it now. Um, but for example, like when I was in junior high, he was like, no, you don't take Blackfoot. You better take French in case you end up being a civil servant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, to him, that was how they were taught growing up. That right. was very much pushed upon them when they were younger that you needed to succeed in this uh, white world. And um, in order to do that, maybe you needed to step away from your culture. So along with that too, even though both my parents, all my grandparents were, uh, their first language was Blackfoot. It was never taught to uh, my siblings and myself. So I think anyone, my siblings are now like in their fifties and I'm in my forties, but there's that whole generation and my friends and cousins and people around me where it was never taught to us. So there's huge language loss there just because um, when the parents, your parents, your grandparents were inside, you were chased outside and um, the language was never really encouraged because they thought it would hold you back once you were out there in the rest of the world. So instead of seeing it as a gift, they saw it as kind of a hindrance for us. So I really, uh, I really admire anyone my age or younger who are fluent or can speak the language because I myself am not. I've tried many times, but I think um, if you don't get those sounds and those words early, it's, it's very hard to master that language. It's a very complex language. Yeah, and, and I know, would admit, I know nothing of the Blackfoot language, but I know that we have offered it at Carson Junior High and continue to offer it with some great people at Carson High School. And when I go in and observe the class, I'm always amazed at the connection of the language to the culture. And so a loss of language 
creates, uh, in a sense, a loss of culture as well. And and so that definitely thinking about your your parents um, not being able to speak the language and then kind of almost passing that on to you that that French was more important. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> like it was, they just, they, they were not, well, they used to get beat for speaking their language, right. so of course they're yeah. not going to teach their kids that. Yeah. So one of the things um, that that comes up as we, we talk and, and is probably a change in schools is, and especially um, related to truth and reconciliation. And so there, there was this um, huge project done um, related to truth and reconciliation across Canada, and lots of things uh, came out in that um, commission. And I just wondered if you wanted to share a, a, an overview for those that listen about what the TRC or Truth and Reconciliation Com um, um, Commission did in its report, mm -hmm. and, and maybe some of the things that you think are applicable for those that will listen to this, which is generally around education, would mm -hmm. be important. So the Truth and Reconciliation Commission happened many years ago. Um, a lot came out of that where we had survivors who gave their testimonies and shared horrible experiences um, where records were looked at and um, what eventually came out of it were 94, 94 calls to action. So... And when these first came out, a lot of people were super excited because it seemed like, hey, we're, we're going to get moving in all these different areas. But it kind of came out with government and all these things that happened after where it kind of became more of a suggestion. So to me, it seems like just recently they've started actually addressing those calls to action. So some of the things that are included in there are things like health care, um, the justice system, education, how we deal with um, municipalities. And they're very specific, um, but it's a great starting point for any community, any institution that's trying to work towards reconciliation. Um, as far as like the commission itself, I know a lot of my relatives who were part of that and there, were, there was compensation in that given, but I feel that's kind of where it stopped and a lot of healing was left to do. Um, we had some apologies, I'll call them, um, that were given that were very carefully written, <laughs> I would say, um, because there is legalities connected and uh, fiduciary responsibilities related to these law cases. So to me, that took away a lot of the power of just hearing those stories because a lot of them were actually, some of them you can't even access at this point. Um, looking through, like I myself have gone on their website and looked up schools from our reserve. So we had two residential schools on the Blood Reserve, uh, the St. Paul's Anglican Residential School and the St. Mary's uh, Catholic Residential School. And just reading through some of those records that are available, it, it's just heartbreaking and ridiculous some of the things that are seen in there and how those went on for so so long and no one really even knew um, so I think there's still a lot to be done and we're talking truth and reconciliation and as we've seen this last year with um, unmarked graves being found uh, there's still a lot of truth that hasn't been told so to me, I think we need to deal with that before we're even close to 
that reconciliation piece. And I don't take away from anyone who's trying to work towards that effort. But to me, that truth piece is still coming out. And in order for us to truly heal as people, we need to hear those truths. And our children need to hear those truths. And the bigger society of Canada needs to be aware of those things. Um, with this, these recent discoveries, so I've heard numbers of up to 5,000 unmarked graves here in Canada. Um, when we had the initial, I think it was 251 graves that were found. It was like shock within the country. But then after that, we haven't really heard too much. So... Um, like I said, there's still so much truth that needs to come out that hasn't come out yet. So to me, we're, we're slowly inching there, but there's a lot, a lot that needs to be done as far as our country goes, our government, um, religious institutions, and um, Canada in general, in, in order to understand enough to actually reach that point of reconciliation. Awesome. Thanks for, for that. Uh... I do know I, I was listening, I told you before we started the podcast, I was listening to an interview with Murray Sinclair, who I believe was a senator that headed up the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And, and he said, you know, truth has been told. And obviously, you know, we're finding more about truth. Mm -hmm. And so truth is there. And now the reconciliation piece is the challenge. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and really, it's going to be, I mean, obviously, Canada as a whole, um, provinces, uh, communities, and then um, the bottom line will come down to individuals and, and recognizing that we, we all have work to do in order to be, um, to be better at what we do, especially as it relates to education and kids. Mm -hmm. So, um, Jen, what are some things that uh, you think um, you're doing well in, in your school and, and what are some things you think we could do better in our schools around the reconciliation piece, some of the calls to action around education related to curriculum. Um, and, and then, you know, you can put that in a, a Canadian or context or a provincial context, and then maybe even a, in a local context um, around that, because that's one of the things that, that um, I think are really important about how do, how do, we, how do we do it, right? Like it's easy to say, um, you know, you, put this in a curriculum or teach this in a classroom, but, but what are the how-tos, I guess, in, in your mind? To me, it really depends on your context. Like here in Cartston, we're in the middle of Blackfoot territory. Yep. We have a high population of students from the Blood Reserve and other places. Um, so I believe our experience is going to be different from maybe someone who's in Raymond or um, in McGrath, right? Um, not that they're not connected, but I feel like our location, it, kind of puts us in the hub of what needs to be done. As far as our school, we've been working on it a long time. Um, we've always had a very uh, in-depth culture and language program at our school. So this started with um, Mrs. Her Harriet Heavyrunner, right. who was a teacher at our school for 30 years and um, worked to make sure that that program was part of our school and it was uh, taken in the same context as any other class. So to me, I'm so thankful I got to work with her and the work that she did long before I was there um, because I believe that made it easier when I came in and other First Nations teachers to actually reach that point where we can teach about reconciliation. Um, 
of course, too, they've got different ideas, uh, survivors and those who actually went through residential school as far as how it should be taught. Um, so just working with elders within the school, to me, that's been huge for our staff and for myself. So besides Harriet, we've also worked with Moses Spearchief for the last 10 years as our Blackfoot instructor. And um, the knowledge that he shares with our staff and our students is, it's, I don't know what you call it, immeasurable. Yeah. Um, you can't get that from a book or uh, from a video, right? Which, um, not to take away from those, for some people that's the only resource they could access at some times, yeah. but it needs to start with our elders. And to me, that connection has awesome uh, in our school. As far as teaching within the classrooms, I remember about 10 years ago, um, talking to my students about residential schools and it seemed like they really didn't know what they were. It wasn't uh, mainstream knowledge within our schools. But I feel now that uh, because of all the work that has been done, a lot of students are aware of that. Um, we also get to that point where it feels like sometimes like our non-First Nations people kind of see it as our our issue, <laughs> I don't know um, if that that's maybe that's just my perception. And I felt like that's how it was for a long time where, OK, we have Native Awareness Week, but it didn't really go too far beyond that. But I found with our new teachers that they're very conscientious, conscientious about having it within their curriculums um, throughout the year. It can't just be a day, a one day thing, right? Or a one week thing even. It has to be embedded in their curriculum. And I found coming, the new teachers coming out of university, they have a lot more knowledge than many did or than I even I did coming out of university and starting to teach. So to me, that's a huge thing. Um, we've been lucky as well just with uh, resources as far as like Aboriginal literature, um, just the things coming out that are written by First Nations people from that perspective. To me, that's a huge gain in education. And um, there's it's almost an abundance of like overwhelming abundance of resources that we have access to where you have to really think, what am I trying to teach the students before um, you kind of spread everything too thin. To me, that's one thing you need to be aware of what's out there. And I, I really liked the, the couple of comments you made, uh, you know, and going back to the truth and then reconciliation piece and then what, what's happening in schools and what we can do. And, and, and I think if we, we ignore the what we can do piece, then, uh, then we're really going nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I, I think everyone... Um, I shouldn't say everyone. I think most people love the country of Canada. Um, but within that context, there are also many things that have happened that would say Canada and individuals didn't do people right. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know how, I'm, I mean, the wording's not going to be right no matter how I say that. But we have a country and we have people that live within this country that have not been dealt with uh, fairly in lots of ways mm -hmm. and we have to we have to be better we have to do better and so um, I appreciate that piece of the conversation that you brought up um, next week we approach uh, a day of uh, it's not right to say the word of celebration 
I uh, use commemoration. Commemoration. There we go. <laughs> That's the word I was trying to think of. But the uh, day of commemoration. In in your mind, uh, Miss Scout, what's the best way to commemorate that? Um, you know, in some ways, I think uh, you know. Uh, cultural understanding, in some ways, relationship with elders we talked about earlier, um, in some ways about um, recognizing truth, in some ways a personal commitment to be and do better. Um, we or, we honor that day and commemorate it by wearing orange shirts. Um, can you share a little bit about the story behind Orange Shirt and the Orange Shirt Day? So it comes from Phyllis Webstad. So she was a residential school survivor. And um, the story's been out there for a few years where on her first day of residential school, um, her grandmother had bought her a brand new orange shirt and she was so proud of it. And the minute she got to residential school, it was taken from her, um, never to be seen again. And it just uh, broke her heart. But to me, just that context and having students see a child going through that, it makes it more relatable for students. Um, and it started a movement, I would say, within our country. So uh, even up to like five years ago, it was barely uh, acknowledged within schools, but now it's a huge thing. It's, it's pretty amazing to see all the work that has been done and um, just how much awareness has been brought from that one orange shirt. So to me, that's such a cool story. And I love to share it with the students or I even love it when I bring it up and the kids can tell me the story back. Yeah, that's to awesome. me, that's, that's a powerful thing. Um, yeah, so Orange Shirt Day, I think it's a really good thing. But of course, there's uh, more to it. Um, we, I, I always think of the example of like Pink Shirt Day, right? right. So um, we have Pink Shirt Day and you see the school bully walking around in a pink shirt. Yeah. So um, I always use that example with the students, like you can't just put on an orange shirt and um, say, hey, I'm, I'm reconciling, I'm part of reconciliation. Yeah. It needs to go beyond that. Um, as far as that, I think we all have a different relationship with reconciliation and the experience of residential schools. So myself, just being an intergenerational survivor, it means something different from you. Um, and then me as a younger generational uh, of my people, like um, talking with elders who went through that, it's such a different and whole different level from my understanding of what they went through. So I think we need to respect that different connection that we all have. Um, I love seeing the celebrations of our culture within the school because to me that's, that shows our strength. Um, even all, though all these terrible things have happened, we still have our ways, we still have our language, we still have our ceremonies and our culture. So to be able to share that within our schools, to me, that's such an awesome thing. Um, I hope that it continues. I feel like this year is especially important just with all these horrible discoveries that we, uh, we show reverence and share that day and make sure the students understand uh, why we, we have that every day. Um, I, I, I love the idea that it's a national holiday now because to me it shows that, hey, we, we've, we've got our voice recognized. We have a place at the table where um, before it was just kind of, hey, maybe if you want to talk about this, you can talk about this. But to me, just that national recognition 
to me, I think that that says a lot uh, as far as the work that has been done and um, why it's so important. Awesome. I, uh, I just want to emphasize to everyone, um, you know, I, I came to West Wind, this will be my 12th year here, and I spent six years at Carson Junior High, and, and you can tell why I learned so much um, through my conversations with, with Jen and, and uh, always uh, was great to come in and, and share a perspective with me. And when I had a question, I would go to her and some of them she would laugh about and some of them we were much more serious about and maybe occasionally uh, we cried about them. So yeah, for sure. um, it was a great opportunity and experience. Just in closing, what are some things that you have uh, planned at Carson Junior High for um, probably Wednesday. I think that's the day we're going to uh, commemorate in West Wind. And then um, Thursday the 30th is, uh, is the day that uh, is recognized nationally. So uh, West Wind has uh, taken that day as a non-instructional day to give um, people time to reflect or participate in community activities or with family or, or whatever. So what are some of the things that you're excited about this year for Carson Junior High? So uh, for that day, we're starting the day at our school with um, smudging with any students who care to um, take part in that. It's just a spiritual practice, um, a way of praying. So on days uh, during our Naval Awareness Week um, and Orange Shirt Day, we usually do a, a smudging with our elder Moses and any students who'd like to take part are welcome to come or staff. Um, it's throughout the week we have like our LA teachers and our social teachers are doing lessons within their classes just to embed it a little bit more so it's not all on that one day because it, it is heavy for kids and right. some of the things that are heard are, are really hard for them to comprehend and understand so I think just spreading it out it makes it easier for them to take that in and really try to understand it. Um, but on that day we are having a school assembly uh, but it will be off-site. It's going to be at the Reconciliation Monument that um, was just dedicated here in Cartston. So um, if you're not sure where it is, it's kind of across from the courthouse down by the creek there. Um, and this is a really cool project that was initiated by Kara Baldwin and some of the Cartston High School students years back. And they, I don't know how they managed, but they got the funding to... Uh, construct this awesome monument and I know there's still efforts going on to add to that so we've decided just because it's the first year it's been there that we're going to have our little ceremony down there um, so we're going to begin with a Blackfoot prayer and we've got Elder uh, Christine Davis who will be coming and sharing her experience um, we've got our First Nations representatives from our student council have prepared like some little speeches and I think one of the girls even did a poem so we're going to share that with the students as well. Um, then we'd like to have uh, a little uh, a dance, an honor dance uh, from our student dancers who powwow. Um, they're going to dance in honor of the survivors and those who didn't survive. Um, we're going to have a moment of silence and then um, an honor song uh, for, for those who went to residential school and um, those who are still alive today that are dealing with the effects of that. So we really try to um, emphasize to the students that it's it's a different kind of uh, assembly or gathering, just like with Remembrance Day. Uh, it's not like a pep rally. So, of course, junior high kids, you always have to <laughs> give them those gentle reminders yeah, that yeah. Um, 
this this is kind of a different context. So awesome. we make sure that uh, we we emphasize that. So I'm excited. It's always a nice thing to get together, and we've got other community members as well, like Arnold Mountain Horse and his family are coming to do drumming and some singing for us. So I always try to incorporate that into um, any of our First Nations celebrations that we have because that's that's who we are. That's where we come from. Awesome. Well, I just, uh, um, Jen, I just want to thank you so much for coming and, and speaking with us uh, on our podcast today. Uh, again, I just, I need to emphasize, um, for those of you who haven't had a student uh, in Miss Scout's class, <laughs> Um, she's one of the most caring people I know, and she also carries uh, a bit of a heavy load. Um, <laughs> she represents uh, Westwind School Division in the classroom. Uh, she represents well uh, the, the Blackfoot culture, and, and she is a voice for students. Uh, she's a voice for the Blackfoot community, and uh, it's a heavy, heavy load to carry when you want to see big change. Um, but she has done that well for uh, about 16 years, and hopefully she does it well for another 16 years. Um, and I really appreciate her time coming and spending this today and grateful for the chance I had to work with her and grateful for the work that she does at Carson Junior High. And so thanks, uh, Jen, for being with us today and for all of your effort to uh, help us all be better at what we do. No, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great experience to be here. <laughs>